little bit more user-friendly, and uh, they have a calendar on our website now that they want to direct you to, so if you'll just check out our website for things going on this week and uh, the rest of the month, that would be great, all right? Uh, I know some of you are still kind of moving in and finding a seat, but why don't we stand together and greet one another, and we'll uh, start worshiping together this morning.
time has come still still my soul will sing your praise Join with all creation in singing your praise. Let it ever be on our lips. Your love is devoted like a ring of solid gold, like a vow that is tested, like a covenant of old. Your love is enduring through the winter rain.
ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips.
Let's enter in a time of prayer. Please join me. Bow your heads with me. Lord, we want that song we sang, that prayer we pray to be true in our lives. Surrender is a scary word. And surrendering all, that's even scarier. But Lord, we know that half or 75% or even 90% 
it doesn't work unless we surrender all of ourselves to you and allow ourselves to be changed. You transform us. You do the work. You, you have the power. We have to allow it, though. We have to choose to surrender, Lord. And I pray that is the prayer of everyone here. And they're not just words that we sing because that's a thing that people do in church. But I pray that this, um, this is the cry of the heart of this church, Woodland Life Center, Woodland Park, Colorado we are surrenderers to you, that we get out of the way for your power to happen in our lives. I thank you for you being a God that does that, that allows us, that allows us to be uh, ourselves and, and unique, and yet still you work your power through us in an amazing way. Lord, I want to pray for the unity of this church. I want to pray for the days and the weeks and the years ahead of Woodland Life Center that this is a place people could point to and say that church seems to be unified under God, under Jesus Christ, the head of their church. Because that's not an easy thing to do. I think unity is so important and I know that that's what you would have of this group, of this church. And I pray for the hearts of this church to be unified that we would ride the wave of your spirit in our lives because there is one God, there is one body, there is one truth, there is one word that we have access to and that is a blessing. Let us be of that oneness of you, God. You are three parts, but you are one. You have one message of love. Let us be a part of that. Let us be agents of your will in this community. Let us be showing your love to those around us. And let us ourselves be connected in a way that's unmistakably of a higher power. Be with us the rest of the service. Let you be glorified. It's in your name we all pray. Amen. take our tithes and offerings this morning, so if you want to go ahead and get those out and ready, uh, we're going to pray again one more time over our tithes and offerings together, so let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we, we offer you what you've provided us. We give back to you, Lord, what, what you have told us to give to you, and so Lord, we pray that you would take that and bless this giving and our tithes and our offerings this morning, that you would multiply it, that you would stretch it, that you would use it in the ways that, uh, that are needed here at Woodland Life and that are needed for uh, your kingdom, Lord. And I just pray that you would continue to bless us here as we uh, do strive to raise some money to finish some uh, much needed projects here in the building. And I pray that you would just be over those and that uh, we would be generous in what we give and uh, be happy about what we're giving as well, knowing that it's going to you and that you are using it for uh, your kingdom, Lord. I pray this in your name. Amen.
All right, kids, if you have uh, some tithe and offering that you want to place in the bucket this morning, I invite you to go ahead and come on down, and I invite our, off our ushers to come on down and go ahead and take our tithes. Kids, you can head on to the back if you haven't already. You are more than welcome to head on down and uh, go to our children's worship with Miss McKenzie and uh, some of our other volunteers this morning. Well, Pastor Brian has set out to uh, preach the Bible in a year, and uh, we're pretty excited about that, knowing uh, that this could really further our knowledge of the Word of God this year, and so uh, Pastor Brian was not feeling well this week, and Olivia is not feeling well, and so they're both home this morning, but uh, thankfully the rest of the family was able to be here and be a part of our worship team this morning. That was great, wasn't it? So this morning, we are going to continue what Pastor has uh, started preaching over, so we're going to flip to Genesis chapter 3, all right, Genesis chapter 3 this morning. Now, how many times has somebody told you, now this is probably applies more to when we're younger than adults, but it can still apply to us now. How many times have you been told not to touch something and the urge inside of you just grew about a thousand percent and you just knew you had to touch that one thing? Yeah, it happens a lot. Uh, it still happens. You're told not to touch something or... Um, you know, I can I can think of many times when uh, we would be out shopping with, with my parents when I was younger, and we would go into a particular store that had uh, more expensive items in it, and my parents always told me to put my hands in my pockets because they were afraid I'd break something and then they'd have to buy it. So, um, But the, the urge to touch something or to eat something after you've been told not to, it just seems to kind of eat away at you for a little while until you can finally touch it or it's just completely out of sight, out of mind. And uh, that that just kind of is, it just gets to you. When somebody tells you not to do something, um, it's, it's just really hard for us to listen to the commands of other people sometimes. Sometimes we just want to do our own thing and not listen to other people because we know what's good for us because... We know ourselves better than anybody else could, right? I, I would say so. I probably know myself a little better than most other people know me. Um, and so, you know, when, when that urge comes about, we just, you just have to do something about it. You, you just want to touch something or you want to eat the food that you've been told not to eat until it's dinner time. Cause, or you're not allowed to eat dessert or that piece of candy until after you've eaten dinner. You know, that kind of thing. And so... Um, that's kind of what we're looking at this morning. Um, and as parents, we kind of do that and, well, we don't yet because he can't really touch anything and he's still, you know, learning how to grab things. But some of you other parents may know those times very vividly that you've told your child not to touch something and yet they went ahead and touched it. They broke it 
and then there's instant guilt and shame maybe on the child's part, but then maybe a little bit of anger and frustration on the parent's part. Does that sound familiar at all to anybody? A little bit? Yes? All right. As humans, I would say that we are curious people, right? Curiosity killed the cat because it wanted to know, you know, what's that like? And I feel like that's kind of what we run into with Adam and Eve here in chapter 3 of Genesis. Um, it, you know, they're humans, and they're, they're just like us, but they had the privilege of living in paradise. They had the privilege of walking in the garden with God. They lived in the presence of God, and, and it was just Adam and Eve there. But then we learned that there's another character in the story, the serpent, right? Which we'll learn about here in just a minute. But this story that we're getting ready to leave, this fall of humanity that we're getting ready to look at, it just really, it shows love. It shows betrayal, it, it, and, and because of that, it, it brings a tragic consequence, not only to Adam and Eve, but to all of humanity, every single person that's going to come after them. So it, it's a beautiful story, but at the same time, we all still feel the effects of what happened in the garden, all right? So let's take a look at Genesis chapter 3. Now, it's kind of long. We're going to read it all, so be prepared, but we'll move quickly through it, all right? So now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? Did God really say? Already, Satan is tempting and, and using the words of God against Eve, all right? And we're going to learn a little bit more about that here in just a minute. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Already Eve has uh, deviated a little bit from what God actually said back in chapter 2. All right? So let's move on here, though. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. Temptation already, right there. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You will be like God. Now, they're made in the image of God, but they will never be God. And that's essentially what the serpent was telling Eve or the woman at this point. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord. Now the cool of the day 
is probably referencing an evening hour. Okay, so, you know, the day has gone by and now God is walking in the garden in the evening and God and, and we pick up back there. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Don't you think God knew where they were? God knew they were in the garden. God knew what they'd done, and God knew where they were hiding. Yet he still asks, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Now, most of us would probably do that as well. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are all you above, uh, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And uh, he will crush your head and you, and you will strike his heel. Now, that line right there is referencing what God is going to do. God is going to send a Lord and Savior to defeat Satan. All right. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbirth very severe, very severe, and with painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat from Eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat the food, eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out uh, his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden, the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard tree of life now it's a lot to take in right that's a long chapter there's a lot that's happened adam and eve have pretty much just uh ruined humanity because they disobeyed god and so here we are now uh reading about what they've done so the temptation entered through the serpent he went to he went to eve first because back in chapter 2, God commands Adam to not eat from the tree. But the serpent opens that and he takes the word and he says, did God really say that? As if Eve won't really believe it. 
He says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman responds to him in such a way that uh, that she, he, he can just twist the words. She, she doesn't recall the word of God precisely. She doesn't say it exactly how God did. And she says, you must not touch it. Now, that's not real important, I guess. But, I mean, if Eve had known the word of God, if Eve had known and heard the command of God, Maybe she would have kept herself from eating, from taking, from listening to the serpent, from falling into his deceitful plans. And, and so he uses what she says against her. It's the words of Eve that he uses against her and not necessarily the exact words of God. Because he knew the word, the command that, that God had placed over that tree. But he he deceives Eve into thinking that she could be on a divine level with God, that she could have this knowledge of of uh, good and evil. She could have all the wisdom in the world. She could have power other people by eating the fruit that she could. She would just gain so much from taking just one bite from this tree. But the serpent made an appeal to the physical desire, the intellectual desire, uh, and the, the disposition to self-sufficiency. If she ate from the tree, she wouldn't need anybody else. But in reality, we come to find, as we just read, that that was not true, right? So Eve looks at the fruit in the tree because the, the serpent has made it appealing now. It looks better than any other fruit because now he's pointed it out that hey, there's, tr- there's fruit that you're not supposed to eat. So he makes, he makes the, uh, the physical hunger of Eve, it, it just makes it that much more appealing to her. So she, she indulges in the fruit. It not only appealed to her physical hunger, but it aesthetically looked appealing to the eye. Now it's something that she's not supposed to have that's been pointed out by the serpent, and so it's, Hey, I'm going to eat that now because it looks so much better than every other piece of fruit in the garden. And then finally, he, he appeals to this desire for more wisdom and power that, that Eve just doesn't have. They know it's the tree of, of uh, good and evil, and if they eat of it, you know, they, they know that God has commanded them not to, and, but God knew what was going to happen. Man has a special relationship with God above any other creature that he's created. Humans have a relationship with God. And at that moment, they, they took what God had made. They, they heard his command and they moved on quickly from it. And they decided that they knew what was best for them. Even though they were... They were made in the image of God. They had the breath of God breathed into their nostrils as we read last last couple of weeks. And so we know that they have this capacity to know God, to have relationship with God. And yet at the same time, Adam and Eve both still felt like we know better than God. We know ourselves better than God. 
And so at that moment, it w- there, there was no question about it. They were going to indulge in what God had commanded them not to eat. Adam and Eve had this perfect relationship with God in the garden. But apparently that didn't matter because, like I said, they felt like they knew what was best for them. As soon as Adam and Eve's disobedience, uh, as soon as they had taken and eaten the fruit, that disobedience produced guilt, produced shame and nakedness. As we read, it, it says that they felt naked, but they had never felt that way before, obviously. And so at that point, they knew that they had done something that God had already commanded them not to do because he knows what's best for us. Every command that God has given us is in the interest of, uh, of what is best for us. And yet at the same time, Adam and Eve listened to what the serpent had to say instead of the command that God had already given them. So they had this beautiful relationship with God in the garden. They walked in the garden with God. They were in the presence of the almighty God. And yet they still disobeyed the command of God. So why would they attempt to hide from God? Uh, Why would they attempt to hide from the presence of God in the garden that evening? In the cool of the day, in this this time where they know what they've done, they heard God walking, and man, they just took off and ran the other way. They hid as quickly as they could because they knew what they had done went completely against what God had told them to do. They had a guilty conscience. Just like many of us, when we do something wrong, when somebody's asked us not to touch something or we break something that we knew we weren't even uh, supposed to be around, but we don't tell anybody, we have a guilty conscience. And God was just, you know, asking them, where are you? Where are you? Yet, they all, all they wanted to do was just have self-pity they wanted to hide they wanted to sit in this shame and this guilt that they felt and and that's foolish for them to do because like i said god knows god knew exactly where they were and what they had done and and why they were hiding the way they were feeling because god knows us better than anybody else because we're made in the image of god and it it just wasn't ideal, you know, it wasn't smart for him to try and hide from God because God knows where we are at, at all times. Like King David said, where can I flee from thy presence? Nowhere. We can't hide from God. There's nowhere on this earth that we can hide that's away from God. And the sad thing is, there are still people trying to hide from God. They avoid church, they avoid their Christian friends, they'll avoid God altogether. They do whatever they can to separate themselves from God completely. And Adam and Eve were kind of doing that exact same thing. 
They were getting as far away from where God, where they could hear God walking in the garden. They were getting as far away from there as possible. And now we see in our world today, people are not only trying to hide from God, they're trying to take God away from the rest of us. They're trying to take God out of our schools, out of the government. They're even trying to take God out of religion in some places. People are still facing the same things that Adam and Eve did. They're still hiding from God. Yet God knows everything about us. He created us. He knows where we are. And so what caused that guilt complex? What caused them to go running and hiding away from the presence of God? Disobedience. It was their thinking they knew better than God. Adam and Eve did whatever they could to get out of the presence of God. But at the same time, God's command in chapter 2 about not eating the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden, it, it was clear as day to them. Yet the serpent took those words, twisted those words, and, and then they disobeyed what God had told them specifically. And so God's command was for their best interest. God knew what that tree contained. God knew what that tree would produce once they ate of it. And that tree contained death, as we read. It didn't kill them. It opened their eyes, like it says. They knew they were naked. They saw the difference of uh, good and evil. But at the same time, it produced death. And God knew that they would die once they ate of it. God God knew what he had created. He gave them a command. He knew what was best for them. And he gave them that command so that they hopefully wouldn't eat of it. They, They would listen to him instead of Satan. But they didn't think about the consequence because Satan made sin look so beautiful, so delightful, that they knew they had to get their hands on that that fruit and that specific tree. And that's what Satan does. He makes it look so good, but at the same time, we don't know the consequence of what he's trying to make look good. Does that make sense? Satan, he has a way of making that look good at that split second in time, but afterward, the guilt sets in, the shame, the nakedness, All these things, Adam and Eve, they felt that the moment that fruit touched their lips. And and the reason that I share all of that, that, that that Satan, the serpent, took the words and twisted them, is that we have to have God's word in our hearts. When we know God's word, when we hide God's word in our heart, we know the commands of God. When we know God's... When we know God's word, the devil can't take that and twist it and try to take us away from what God has told us to be true. We have to cling to that. We have to hold on to that. And so God's cry to Adam, where are you, was not, it wasn't a command. It wasn't a, like somebody chasing you, telling you to stop and freeze right where you're at. But it was a command of a broken hearted father. Where are you? Why? 
why did you not listen to me? What I, the command I gave you was for your best interest. And the rest of the commands, the rest of the word of God is the same way. He says, I know what's best for you. Listen to me. Follow me. And that's what Jesus did. He commanded his disciples. He taught his disciples right and wrong. He taught them what to preach and the things to teach. And, and so as, they, as we read and, uh, of the things that Jesus did and the things that God commands in the Old Testament, we still see commands and they're for our best interest. The word of God is it's not to hurt us, it's not to harm us, but it's to lead us into a deeper relationship with God. And so he says, where are you? And this is terrible. Because Adam said, you know, we're here. <laughs> we, we felt naked. We felt guilt and shame. And uh, God obviously knew what, what had been done. And Adam, uh, he does a great job of quickly passing the blame off to Eve. Well, I, I didn't take the fruit. She gave it to me. <laughs> And then Eve's like, well, it wasn't my idea. The serpent gave it to me. Man, this kind of sounds familiar a little bit. I don't want to take the blame for that. I just, you know, made the fall of humanity happen, and I'm not owning up to that. Right? That's what happened. Adam quickly passed the blame off to Eve. Eve quickly passed it off to the serpent, and God, he, he's pretty much understanding this as to say, we're blaming you, God. You put us here. You put that tree in the middle of the garden. So in a roundabout way, this is your fault. Not exactly. Because God had gave them that command. He told them, don't eat of that fruit or you will surely die. And they ate the fruit and there was a consequence. And the consequence of disobedience is always sin. That's always What's going to happen? The serpent tried to be supremely wise. He, he did his best to make that, that tree in the middle of the garden look better than any other tree. He took the words of God. He twisted them just enough to make that tree look more uh, appealing than anything else there. And so they took of it. They ate it. And God announces the curses uh, for what they've done. God says, Cursed are you above all livestock and wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Now, when when you research the serpent and who he is and uh, and what he what he looks like, I suppose, people say he uh, he had legs to begin with. So more like a lizard type of a creature. So God says, well, uh, you'll, you'll crawl around in the dust. You'll eat dust all the days of your life. And he did that because that showed utter humiliation to the serpent. So he's done with. And he's, he shares, and I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head 
and you will strike his heel. God's got a plan already. Jesus is going to come. He's going to crush the head of the serpent. Jesus is going to defeat Satan. Death cannot hold Jesus Christ. And that was God's plan once this happened. And so to the woman he said, I will make your pains and childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. So, having kids is going to be really, really painful for her now, for the rest of humanity. But also, because Eve thought she knew what was best for her, she no longer will live independently. She'll never have that freedom. She will always be dependent upon her husband. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. So Eve's consequence was the pain and childbearing. She would live in sorrow instead of delight, of disobedience, and finally she would be dependent upon her husband for everything. She would never know independence now. And we move on to Adam, he said. Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. So Adam's consequence is a little bit different. It's not necessarily uh, a consequence placed right there upon Adam. But cursed is the ground because of you, the earth. Cursed is the earth because of what you've done. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. So before Adam worked the ground, he would serve God and and work the soil in the garden. He would have pure joy from what he was doing. And now he will have painful toil. Uh, Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Not only did they have consequences brought upon themselves, but to the rest of us. Through the sin that Adam and Eve uh, had committed... They brought original sin into the world. That's what this is. That's what the fall of humanity, uh, that's what that is. Original sin, that's what we call it. And because of that, like it said, dust you are and dust you will return. So death was now in the picture. But not just death at the end of life but spiritual death. Adam and Eve now have separated themselves from God. They've been banished from the garden. They're no longer in paradise in the presence of God. But now they're to go and work the ground. Eve's to serve her husband. Adam is to work the ground. Painful toil, you'll eat from it. So because of what they did, they now 
lived in spiritual death. And I believe instead of God saying, where are you? And them hiding in their nakedness, if they would have just come forward and repented of their sins, there would have been forgiveness. Like we're offered today. Jesus Christ came so that we would be once and for all forgiven for sin. And God banished them from the garden so they would not become fixed on their rebellion. So they would not become fixed on the tree that they were not supposed to eat from. The man and woman had sought to be as God, knowing good and evil. They would never be able to achieve divine status because they only possessed the breath of God and they were made in the image of God. They were not divine in themselves. They were, they were not God. And that's why God placed that command there to them. So original sin enters the world through Adam and Eve, through their disobedience. Original sin is, is something that we're all born with now because of that. But there's, there's a, a way for us to be forgiven. And that was through Jesus Christ. The gospel story. The Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all share the life of Jesus. God had a plan for us. In original sin, uh, all people are born with sin. That, that is original sin. We're self-centered by nature. We find it easy to disobey God. And that is so because we inherited a share in Adam's sin. We are under the power of a sinful nature that is until we come to know Christ as our personal Savior. The gospel story doesn't just stop right there, though. God offered the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. That was Jesus Christ, who rose from the grave and defeated sin once and for all. We can receive new life in Christ. If we do what Adam and Eve failed to do, and that is repent of our sins, ask forgiveness for our sins. Original sin is forgiven in us through sanctification. Nazarene Church, we believe in entire sanctification. It's this process of the song that we sang earlier was perfect for this. I surrender all. Adam and Eve failed to do that. They didn't repent of their sins, and thus they they lived in sin at that point. But for us, God had a different story. God had a different idea for us. An entire sanctification, it cleanses us from original sin. Now, that doesn't mean that we'll never sin again. But it means that God cleanses us. We give our all, we surrender all completely to God. We say, God, I can't do this without you. I need you in my life. I give you everything. That's a tough thing to do, isn't it? No, but I just want to hold on to this part. I enjoy this sin. I, I, I like it. I don't want to give it up. But when we let go of it, we say, God, I surrender all. Whatever you want. God cleanses us from original sin. 
But it's not just a one-time, I surrender all. It's an every day. Every morning we wake up and say, God, I can't do this. I can't survive without you. Adam and Eve tried. We saw what happened to them. But we have to say, God, I need you. I surrender everything to you. My will, I lay it all down at your foot, and I trust you. You lead me in whatever way. Your pleasing and perfect will is what I want for my life. Our, our mission statement here is living in the center of God's will. It's perfect. God's will is perfect. And so through everything we've read today, sin that entered the world, original sin, but there's still, there's still hope. God saves. God is amazing in what he does. And he will guide us and lead us in everything that we do. And so there's, there's a couple of things that we can learn from Adam and Eve. And number one, you shouldn't hide from God. Just repent. God forgives. His grace is so much bigger. There's so much more grace in, in God than we can ever imagine. And no matter what's happened in our past, God's grace covers it. It's all right. I forgive you. But we have to take the step in asking for repentance, asking for forgiveness, repenting of our sins. So we repel Satan by hiding the words of God in our hearts. What Pastor Brian's trying to do this year is preach the Bible, preach God's word, all of it, from beginning to end. And grace never ends. When we hide God's word in our hearts, we can go from this place and we can live out there in the battlefield of where Satan attacks us most through the week. But we have to remember that, you know, when we hide God's word in our heart, that has to be a daily retreat for us. In order to continue to battle sin, in order to continue to battle Satan, we have to continue to retreat to God's word, to hide it in our hearts. The basic sin of humans is to be self-sufficient. But as we look at Adam and Eve, we realize that the only way to resist temptation is by the strength and power of God alone. When we hide the word of God in our hearts, we start to see and we start to feel God's power and his strength. Him strengthening us to go out into the world, to share who God is, to defeat the devil. And God had a plan that leads us to Jesus Christ being our Savior. Jesus came to forgive sin by grace alone. There's nothing we could do to earn, earn God's grace and forgiveness. We simply accept Christ and begin the journey of forgiveness and healing with God. So as we go from this place this week, I, I, just, I just pray that we would, we would all hide God's word in our hearts. That we would all... Not just pick up our Bible to bring it to church on Sunday. You've got an app on your phone, I'm sure. Spend time with God. I encourage you to do that. It's life-changing. It truly is. 
And so if we're to wrestle with Satan in the battlefields of our lives, we must make God's word our daily retreat in order to continue to battle another day. Original sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, but we can be cleansed and made holy in the image of God through Jesus Christ. Through salvation and sanctification, we are brought into a grace-filled, loving relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Hopefully this will make a difference for you. Reading God's word hopefully makes a difference in your life. But hopefully you you haven't just heard my words this morning, but you've heard what God has to say to you. I mean, words just come out of my mouth, but the words God has given us, they're true. There's there's grace. It, It fills us more than we can ever imagine. And so whenever I talked at the beginning about touching something that somebody has told you not to touch like Adam and Eve did, sometimes we have to experience the consequence for ourselves. But also at the same time, we have to experience God's word for ourselves. You'll never know Jesus Christ trying to live through somebody else, seeing their experience. Only you can experience Christ for yourself. So let me pray for us this morning. And if you want to take time to to pray yourself here at your at your seat or whatever you feel like you need to do. But let's pray and turn our attention to God. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. And we know that the plan that you had for humanity was, there was a fall. There was a mistake. Sin entered the world. But God, we are so thankful that you didn't just leave us hanging right there. But that you chose to have a plan and and you chose to give your one and only son so that we would be saved so that our sins would be forgiven so this morning lord i pray that these people that we would all hear your word hear your call hear your commands in our lives and i pray that we would boldly live by your commands that we would boldly live as you command us I pray that you would uh, just help us to all come come to you and, and uh, just hear your voice, that our hearts and our minds would be open to you this morning. And that if, if we're feeling that there's a deeper relationship that we need to have, that, that we would all just dive into that, that we would dive into this deeper relationship with you so that we would be filled with your grace, that we would feel your presence in our lives each and every day. So, Lord, I pray that that you would be with us this week, that you would go from this place, that we would hide your word in our heart, that we would hear your voice, that we would take you further than just the doors in the parking lot, but that we would be with you, that we would have you with us every single day this week. I pray that you would give us the strength and the power to resist temptation, that we would flee from it and that we would just listen to what you have in store for us, Lord. We love you, and we pray this 
In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Take God's word with you this week. Love you guys. You're dismissed.